This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you are joining us today. Today, you are listening to episode 383, and my guest is Danny Mackey. Danny is the head coach for the Brooks Beasts. He began his pro coaching career with a handful of athletes, but quickly transitioned into the first and only coach for the Beasts Track Club. Danny has coached an Olympian, a world record holder, an American record holder, a Scottish national record holder, and four world medal winners. He focuses on helping professional athletes find their paths and overcome the complexities of high performance. Okay, this was a really great conversation. Danny talks about his career, what coaching looks like for him. And I know I recently talked about this with Steve Magnus on the podcast, but Danny Mackey was also involved in the whistleblowing with the Nike Organ Project as well. And that had a really huge impact on his life. And he will share about that in this episode. And man, it's kind of wild what he's been through. I truly appreciated Danny's honesty in this podcast and just being totally real and upfront about the ups and downs in his life. And I really think that the people that he coaches are really fortunate to have a coach who cares so much about them. I hope you enjoy getting to know Danny just like I did. This podcast is sponsored by Pravinex. And I want to tell you, friends, that I have been taking these products for two years now and truly believe in the work that Pravinex does. They have awesome multivitamins. The Joint Health Plus is the supplement that I think that most people listening might benefit from. It is a supplement that delivers ingredients that are clinically proven to offer the most comprehensive and complete joint protection. I take this supplement every single day and have seen results myself. We are also religious users of their protein powder here in this house. We make smoothies all the time using the protein powder. My kids love it. I love it. Prevenux takes so much pride in the quality of their products as well. They are bringing the most high quality ingredients to their products. And I, I've gotten to know this company really well and believe in their mission. They also donate a bottle of kids vitamins to malnourished kids around the world every time you purchase their Supervites for your own kids. So they have a whole health vision with this company. Go check them out. Don't just take from my word for it. Check them out. See what you think. Go to Prevenex.com. Use the code ANOTHER to get 15% off your first order. All right, friends. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a rating and review. That will get you entered to win a pair of Gooder sunglasses. You don't want to miss out on that. We draw a new winner every single month. So we've got about two weeks to get in on the May drawing. And you can do that on iTunes or Spotify. Shoot me an email if you do leave a review so I can get you entered to win. Lindsay at SandyBoyProductions.com. All right, friends. Enjoy my conversation with Danny Mackey. Well, today on the podcast, we have Danny Mackey on the show. Welcome to the show, Danny. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. What's going on over in Seattle today? 
Uh, we just finished a practice. I have um, what Isaiah Harris is getting ready for World Indoors, so we're in this weird. It's not weird, but it's like a little bit of a break between indoor track and outdoor track. And um, yeah, still waiting on Marta Penn so to get an at-large bid. She won the national championships, but she was just off the world standard by 0.2, so she might get in. But yeah, just doing that. I saw Marta post about that. And, you know, I recently interviewed Marta as well. So coming off that interview, I'm excited to chat with you a little bit more about the team. Oh, cool. Yeah. She was like, so awesome. How amazing is Marta? Marta's great. Yeah. Yeah. She's really, yeah, that's how she is at practice. I'm, I'm sure. So, yeah. It was one of those interviews, you know, you walk into an interview, you don't really know what to expect. And I left the interview like, I want to be friends with you. Like, and, she, and <laughs> yeah. then she like texted me and was like, please hit me up if you're ever in Seattle for tea. Like just super authentic and yeah. the real deal. Yeah. Her and her husband, her husband's like that too. So, uh, she's an interesting athlete because of I'm friends with her husband, like off out of work. So yeah, I, I know her pretty well, uh, like outside of just being a track athlete and her coach and stuff like that. So she's great. Okay. Danny, you have like, the longest resume of being in running culture and running jobs. Right now you're the head coach of the Brooks Beast, which you've been for a very long time now. But there were so many, like there's so many pieces to your story before that. Let's walk back a little bit and then we'll catch everybody up to the Brooks Beast. So let's first go Danny as an athlete before you coached anything like that. What were your aspirations for your career in the sport of running when i was in high school it was to be all state and then when uh when i was in college uh, it was to qualify for ncaa's and to be all american and that didn't happen and then uh when i graduated college i still wanted to keep running because i felt like i could run quite a bit faster than i had so at that point, I didn't, I don't really think I had like targets like that, but just to get better. And so, you know, from there, like I made the Olympic trials and I placed in US championships and, and then I ran for the Hansons. And so it was unusual in that I wasn't all state in high school and I wasn't, I didn't even qualify for NCAAs, but then I got a pro contract at 26. So I got better as I got older and after that, yeah, I probably, if I could have, if we lived longer, I would have just run professionally for about five years and then done a career outside of running. But I, I had gone to grad school at a really good program and had some aspirations there in coaching that I wanted to do. And it was, and I just was pretty, pretty rational when, even when I was younger in terms of my ability. So I, I figured I, at best I could make a world championship team in a marathon and that's a huge deal. So I, I don't, but I was also thinking like that's at best and I don't know if it's worth giving up, pausing other things I want to do in my career. So I think where I wasn't reasonable and maybe it was like, you know, ego to some degree, I thought I could work full time and still be really good at running. And it, yeah, I tried that for, for four years when I worked at Nike and, I had mixed results. I still got better in PR'd. Um, and I, I was probably in 213, 214 shape twice, but 
I got hurt like right before the marathon. And yeah, I think it was just because of working 40, 50 hour weeks and trying to train that hard, you know, my body just couldn't do both. So yeah, I wish I could, like, again, I wish we just were, I could space things out because I would have really liked to do just exclusively running a little bit longer. I think it's, it's part of my personality. I mean, I'm 41 now and, uh, I'm, I'm fighting, I, I do martial arts, jujitsu and grappling and stuff. So I'm going to fight on Saturday. And so I'm like weight cutting and dieting and like training and, you know, so it's like, and I work, I probably worked, I don't know, 60, 70 hours a week, the last seven, eight weeks. So I don't have time for it, but it's just, uh, I just like competing and pushing myself. So I wish I could have done that, but you know, here I'm in, I have a dream job now, so it's not, I can't say that it didn't work well, but I still think about it. Even Do you? <laughs> I was wondering yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, on a much smaller scale, I think about that with my like freaking, you know, common runner marathon PR. I'm like, I cannot get myself motivated to want to get my time down again because I just know what work will go into that. And I'm like, am I letting it pass by? Is it going to be gone? I probably have 10 more years where I could do it if I really wanted to. And it's like, I don't want to look back and regret it. But also, I don't really want to do it right now. I get that. Yeah, it's it's fun picking up a different sport at 35, 36, because uh, you just get better at it. Yeah, that but is yeah, fun. Yeah, I hear you. Because like, oh my gosh, to dig in for a marathon. Oh. I know. <laughs> just... Yeah. And I'm yeah. not, I wouldn't be going all in like you would be or the athletes you coach, but still like for my everyday life, like it would be a lot. Um, mm-hmm. That's so that's interesting that you, you know, cause sometimes I ask people, I'm like, do you have regrets or do you think about what could have happened or what could have been? And I feel like people don't like to go there. Oh, they don't like to think about that. Well, they like to own that. where they are. And so it's interesting to me that you're saying, yeah, I think about it still. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, that was a hard choice that I made. Yeah. And so yeah, I think it's okay that, uh, you can't have everything. That is, that is right. Have you read the book, the midnight library? No, not that you have time to read books. You just said you read, you worked 80 hours a week, but I wish I had it in front of me, but there's a quote at the beginning of it. That's basically like, if I could live all the lives I wanted to live or do all the things I wanted to do or be all the things I wanted to be, but you can't, you have one life you have. There's just like only so much time, really. Yeah, it sucks. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of things that I'm interested in. Let's just be honest, everybody. (laughs) Okay. Pick, pick what you pick, what you do and do what you love because there's, there's not unlimited time. So, you were saying you probably got injured because you were working so much and you were training and like you just you can't do all the things all the time like all the all the PT all all the extra rest all the things that you need to be a, compete at the highest level. What do you do if you have an athlete that comes onto the team that's a really good fit and is doing like too many other things? You know what I mean? Well, if we've already signed them, uh, then I have to help them prioritize. And that's pretty normal to some degree. Uh, you know, for me, it was the degrees are very different. I couldn't afford rent and food unless I worked and I wasn't right. good enough at running. To, so they are fortunate. Well, I sh- they're fortunate enough because they are born with these talents that most people don't have. And then Brooks also supports them well enough where they can live in Seattle and, you know, pay for rent and, and everything. So that's their full-time job. And they all, all of them make more than I did in my first job. So, um, so, you know, they're not like, 
making excess of money by any means. They got to be, but they can make a living at it. So for them, it's a little bit, it's just making sure that they're filling their time effectively because uh, I don't know if you can relate to it, but for me, if I'm not busy, like when I'm on a, the vacation, it's like, what I don't know what I di- did. Like, you know, today I woke up at like five something and it's now one o'clock and I've done, I've been doing stuff nonstop. And so, but what I don't have much going on, I'm like, what did I do today? Did yeah. I like, I didn't, but I felt like I was busy. So for them, it's, I have conversations around just prioritizing the things that are in this 1%, 5% bracket where it's making a meal. It's because those things are huge. You know, if you're not prepared during a week to eat healthy, then you'd end up eating bad or you overeat or undereat or one of the, you know, they, they figure out a way to do something and nutrition that's usually off. And the PT and physiotherapy stuff that they should be doing, they, they I don't want them to be uh, reactive or retro, you know, retro fitting things that are problems. You know, I want them to be proactive and stuff. So that's it, some of that's just like, a little bit of like maturing when they come from college, you know, they might've not been doing those things or they might've been handheld all the way through. So for me, it's just educating them on the, making sure that this, this investment that they're putting into themselves in, in time and being like doing what's essential saying no sometimes is going to pay off down the road. Cause when you're young they feel good. And these athletes are like, they're young. They exercise for a job. They eat healthy as part of their job. So they feel really good a lot of the time. Not like me. I'm like, feel like crap in the morning. So, uh, you know, so they want to do stuff. They want to go hiking. They want to hang out with their friends. And not that they can't do those things, but sometimes they have to be smart and say no. And I think they have a very hard job compared to other pro sports. And even even most my other jobs, that, that they're, they have to almost be on 24-7. So I have a lot of sympathy for them in that sense, or empathy, I should say, because so I, I also want to make sure that they have breaks in there where they, whatever they want to do that brings them some joy or just not having to be so aware all the time. So when we're earlier in a season, like in October, November, December, as we're preparing for, you know, the, the summer of the next year. So I, I tell them like, you just got to be on 90% of the time. And I don't know how that looks for everybody. Some people like hiking. Some people like going out to clubs. Some people, yeah, they, it, it, it's all different things. They're just, they're social. They want to do wine and game night, whatever it is. I was like, make sure, I want them to make sure that they're doing that uh, and just measuring it uh, in the sense of not all the time. They're still pro athlete, but I want to make sure that they have a life outside of it because I do think that, and I've just found over the nine year, years of doing this, that they can make the sacrifices in the championship part of the season easier when they're, having a little bit of a balance they're more motivated over the long haul uh they tend to stay healthier and then the happier athletes are are tough to just dig in more and and so i don't want them to feel like this is some sort of 24 7 12 month year sacrifice so i try to really coach like both sides of that yeah it seems like in 2022 like coaches need to have their their mind on that, right? Like we know enough about the mental health aspect of life and training that like your happiness is important. Like you're not going to execute. You're not going to race well if you're not 
happy and you're just in this like boxed in culture where all you do is run, run, run. How do you encourage athletes who might, you might feel like are too like, can you be too laser focused? I don't know. But like, how do you encourage athletes to, to do that 10%? You know what I mean? I think in 2022, it's, you know, as society's gone through phases, there's been good and bad phases. So we have this taking care of myself and me and self-improvement. And, you know, you think of all the technology things like iPod, iPhone, all about me. And so there's a Nick Saban who's a NCAA highly successful coach, uh, one of the best. He talks yeah, I, I, it's one of the things I talk to the athletes about every year. He has a saying where he says, you know, I get these athletes coming in and they all think they have their own way to be successful. And he said, the reality is, is there's, there's not that many options. And so I, I, I tell them that it's a little bit of a paradigm. I say being happy isn't like the Hallmark card or poster that you see like you have to dig your heels in and you have to put your head down. And this is going to be very hard. And you're going to do things you don't want to do a lot of the time. But understanding that there's delayed gratification and understanding that making the sacrifices and being disciplined is going to allow for more flexibility and freedom down the road. And you're going to feel so much fulfillment from it because of putting in this time and effort and brain power to do it, uh, that it's worth it to make these things. So it's, it's teaching kind of both sides of that because I do think that happiness can be not even like fully like thought through what it actually is. Mm. You know, maybe joy is probably a better word. I think that's true because I think you can choose joy. Happiness is a little bit different, right? I feel like you're, that's more of a choice. Yeah, I, I do. I think like, um, one of the athletes I coach, we, uh, laughing because i do not like it at all but <laughs> we do uh cold plunges once oh, a week. oh you do once a week do, do you do it, with, do it them? with them yeah so i only do it when i'm in altitude camp because it's in albuquerque and it sucks it really <laughs> sucks like a lot i'm not happy when i'm doing it i'm not happy getting up at like 4 45 in the morning in the dark going to drive 20 minutes and jumping a freaking so you do it first ice- thing yeah before a workout or anything uh, one day a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So we are not happy doing that, but there's a joy in like the suffering of it. It's true. Uh, and so I, I think like, I just, when you said happiness, I just, that's something that I noticed with, cause I've just now been doing this, I think long enough where I'm seeing shifts in like selfishness or ego that I think weren't there when as much when I was like doing this nine seasons ago and um and it, it parallels society as well and I think that and some of these things are good like I think that we still we were talking about this like all oh, 2022 coaches need to be we have tools we were concerned with mental health like we know more now which is really good but it's not working like the thing that there's way more um the stats would show that it's not working you know, like anxiety and panic and suicides are up. And so it's tragic. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I just think about that a little bit, but I do think that some athletes can be too laser focused. I have, I have some that are like that and I'm just like, Hey, this is a long game. Mm. Like, and 
you if you look at other sports where you see not just one or two seasons athletes that have like a very long career they they understand that there's balance that needs to happen and and balance does not mean there needs to be sometimes it takes discipline to let go a little bit so teaching them that are go easy or take a day off or if if it's like food that the food that you love to eat with your friends but that's maybe not the best thing in season like you need to have that like mm-hmm. and be and not beat yourself up over it just like enjoy it so that's hard it's hard to get some athletes to like let go a little bit uh and and those athletes tend to not be consistently successful either they yeah. get hurt overtrained um or they get burned out Hey friends, this episode of the podcast is supported by Shoot Photography. Shoot has 30 minute outdoor sessions that are free to book, absolutely free to book, no sitting fee, and you only pay for the photos you love, which by the way, have a super quick turnaround time. These are perfect for family portraits, maternity, milestone birthdays, engagements, personal branding, you name it. Um, and these are in beautiful outdoor locations operating in over 60 cities around the country. It's pretty crazy. There were like six locations here in Raleigh. So you all can save 15% off five photos or more when you use the code Sandy Boy. So go see if they're in your market. Go to shoot.com. That's S-H-O-O-T-T.com. See if you're in their area. They probably are since they're in 60 locations. And book your session today. And then when you get your photos back, just use the code SANDYBOY and you'll get 15% off. Let me know what you think. I hope you love it as much as I do. Our family had pictures taken a few weeks ago and it was so quick and simple and we love them. So that's shoot.com. Use the code SANDYBOY once you get your pictures back for 15% off your order. All right, friends, back to the show. Um, I have questions about the cold plunge. Sure. Okay. Tell us, I know your your background is in exercise physiology. You're like super smart, have your master's degree in that. And that's something that's really fascinating to you. Tell us reasons why you all do it. Uh, we don't all do it. We were <laughs> talking about Marta. Marta's from Portugal. I, I do not know. Marta opts out? Oh, yeah. I don't... <laughs> I'm thinking of like, she will have like a snowsuit on when it's like 50 degrees out. So there's no, I don't know. There's, there's probably diminishing returns with her. Um, just one of the athletes and I do it. Josh, Josh Kerr is the one that does it. Um, just the two of you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we, there's a group of guy. It's a, it's a men's, it's turning into a men's group in Albuquerque that we do it in six. We do, we're in the water at six in the morning. Um, but Josh, Josh and I are the, are the, he's the one that does and I do it with him. A um, couple reasons. I mean, uh, there are, there are some, there is some research showing that it's good for your health, um, immune system, longevity. Now, I don't know. The studies weren't done on people like Josh, you know, so. Like super high level athletes is what yeah, you Yeah, because we exercise so much and you tend to eat healthy and stuff like that. So it's, who knows? But um, the reason why he does it is for just the mindfulness part of it. Mm. It's just a complete mental activity. So at the big meets, uh, you 
are not at all on your time schedule because there's like call rooms and these things. And so, and then you literally walk through a tunnel and you're standing like shoulder to shoulder with these people that you're, you know, racing to put food on a table against and you have how many years or months on the line and big stadiums, you know, 60, 80,000 people. And so you have to be for endurance sports, you have to be like very calm. And that's that. So, people are on different ends of the spectrum with that. So for him, it was something that this is mindful activity that we felt would be beneficial. So when you're sitting in water, that's 42 degrees and you're like bringing your heart rate down, you're breathing down. If you can do that, then you can do it leading out to the Olympic final. So how long yeah, do you sit in there? That's why, um, I got up to, uh, two and a half minutes in the last camp. Okay. Day one was eleven seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's the actually it's the actual getting in that I'm like. Oh, it all sucks. Yeah, I I just did a half marathon last weekend, and the massage lady afterwards was like, "You should really just go sit in the ocean for like a couple minutes." And it was fifty degrees; it was cold, and I was like, "Are you kidding me right now? This is not. I'm not doing this." Did you try it at all or no? No, I w- I didn't even consider yeah. it, but. Um, she was just like saying how beneficial it would be. And I'm like, I don't know that like the percentage of beneficiality or what, if that's even a word really matters to my life <laughs> right yeah. now. Yeah. I do know that it was like trending for people to, like get in the cold shower in the morning. And everybody said that was, and I think that part of it is what you were saying about the mindfulness and shall we say joy out of doing something that is hard to do first thing in the morning. I don't know. Do you remember seeing that? That was like a big trend here in oh, the last yeah, year yeah. or so. And a couple of my friends did it with the stoic challenge. We did. We had to end each shower for 30 seconds cold. Okay. You and end so, it cold. That, I feel like yeah. that's easier than starting cold, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've and run gets, out of hot water before. Yeah. <laughs> and it gets easier to do it for sure. Like you get, e- it gets way easier. And it, I, I do think it's, um, well, there, there is research around it too. It is a good activity psychologically to do that in the morning. Yeah, like I like yeah, for because I'm uh, competing on Saturday, so I started doing it last week because there'll be a point I'm sure where hopefully not, but where I might be in a bad spot and just like present right in front of you. You're okay, competing do? Not- in jujitsu. Yeah, the grappling fight on Saturday. Listen, there are too many things to talk about here. We have so many ways we can go because I want to talk about that too. But before we do that, I, let's get back into into your history a little bit with with the sport before coaching. I mean, this this just friends, this conversation could be three hours long. It's not going to be, but I'm just saying there's a lot to cover. Um, can you talk to us about, you know, so we kind of touched on you've been with Brooks Beast for, is it nine years or 10 This is 10. Yeah. Okay. Um, We made it through, you went to grad school and talk about like having that dream to become a coach and having rejection, no responses and what jobs you did in between grad school and landing this job with Brooks Beast. There's a lot in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So by the time I got the job at Brooks, I had applied to 217 coaching jobs listen 217 friends don't write that that's a lot yeah it's a lot and and that's cover letter and resume specifically for each one like i took each one it sucked 
it was uh how did you keep going like i don't think i would mentally get to 217 it, this is it, this is later in life this show would be a problem but i'm very like once i lock in on something i tend to just push forward towards it and so that's a good trait sometimes um yeah i just thought i, I thought be a job that i w- would enjoy doing uh i love the sport uh i like i initially i was pre-med school then i was wanted to be a professor so both those are service jobs dealing with humans so it was coaching um i like competition and so there's even if you're a coach you're still competing to some degree so yeah and i thought i'd be good at it i didn't know but i thought i would be so like the, i for those reasons i was just and, and i put a lot of work in like you know mo i don't think any of the pro coaches went to grad school mm. not that that's a bad thing but like at all because they they are they do well but in my mind i'm like i did the path from 18 17 was my freshman year and I can't get a dang job. So this is like, I don't get it. So I just, I think there was a little bit of a chip on my shoulder too. By the last 60 jobs, I don't know, when I was like, I'm never going to get one. So, yeah, in between, but along the way, I taught college for a couple years. I was an anatomy professor. And then I I um, worked for Nike in their research and development. I, I worked in their innovation lab, their science lab for almost four years and had a similar job at Adidas and then uh, working with athletes more specifically at Adidas. And then at Puma, I was a global product line manager for their their running footwear. So those were the three jobs I had between, or four, sorry, between grad school and then like getting the coaching job. Let's stop at the Nike really quick. Yeah. Because when you were working for Nike, you noticed some shady things happening and you were part of of the whole like whistleblowing like with alberto salazar and you actually contacted us who did you contact tell us that yeah so this is all in not that people would have time to look at it but there is there is a court hearing in 2018 and again in 21 21 where so you could these the legal transcripts are all online um but yeah, 2000. So Alberto Salazar and and his athletes were were cheating, and so I was working there and I saw the blood panels. And it, it's it was weird. You go back. I go back to that time in my life, and like I, I'd make the analogy. Like I thought the tooth fairy was real, so it wasn't like now being jaded and seeing the dark underbelly of the sport and how unethical that not a majority, but enough of the sport is and how much cheating happens and how easy it is to cheat. It it's different now. Then I just didn't think people did it. I mean, I was like a Lance Armstrong defender until the very end. So nothing will make you more jaded than that, than I know the land situation. It's like, Oh man, are you kidding me? I know. Sorry. I interrupted. Go Uh, ahead. No, no, no. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So when I saw it happening, when I saw the blood tests, they, they offered drugs to me because uh, I was still racing and, and stuff like that. And, I, and just so, yeah, I, I kind of sat on it for a while. And then I just was at this point where I was talking to my brother, actually, because he lives in Portland. And it, it was a little bit more of a grandy, it was over, I don't want to make it seem like dramatic, but 
he was like, I was, I was really close with my grandpa and, you know, at that stage of our lives, my brother's younger than me, we're like, you know, hopefully being, being married and having kids one day was something that we thought. And he goes, he goes, you kind of got to do this and just, it's the right thing to do. So I did. So I called USADA. Uh, I still have the, the, the voice transcripts cause they saved it. It was used in the court hearing and yeah, I reported the athletes, what I saw the offering of the, the testosterone and, um, and they were abusing thyroid. Thyroid should be illegal. It's not, um, it's a very power, very powerful hormone, uh, especially when you don't need it. Uh, and so, yeah, so that, that started in 08 and then it, then death threats happened in 2015 once, uh, John Capriati and, and his employees, um, it was Paul. Yeah. His employees that still work at Nike now, John's kind of in a, consulting role but he's still in the sport so they they threatened to kill me and tried to jump me at the u.s championships and then it just kind of went on like that for a couple years and the court hearing happened in 18 and then alberto got banned but galen ruff still competing three of the nike employees that were there are still working at nike and doing nike contracts and have a huge stranglehold on the sport and so it's frustrating to see because they do abuse things like Athletes don't get into Nike sponsored meets and it's just a, a vendetta that they have. So I've learned to just not accept it, but um, I've learned to not think about it as much, but it really bothers me if I do think about it. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's frustrating because I do believe, and I'm sure you do too, maybe not, but I do believe that there are some like really honest athletes that run for Nike. There's a ton of athletes that run for Nike, right? And it's just like, gosh, I don't know what I would do if I was in the situation where Nike offered me a contract because personally, I don't really want to support that brand. But, you know, there's tons of honest people that do run for them. So some of my best friends in the sport work for Nike. Yeah. And some of my favorite athletes run run for that brand. I would, I mean, I, because people always assume that I don't, like nike sure i was like i don't like four people there a lot okay. i okay. really don't like them okay they're bad yeah uh, you should you shouldn't i'm glad that they don't like me and they don't like me for because i tried to clean up the sport that they're sponsoring so they should actually uh, they you know they should have not congratulated me or anything but i didn't do anything wrong towards the brand and their company is so big that there's going to be some horrible people that with bad intentions that are malevolent that work there. And so I just kind of separate it. You know, it's like, I actually like that brand. Mm. I, I think that there's still, there's still the Chicago kid in me that like had Michael Jordan and Ryan Sandberg and like all my favorite athletes and Michael Johnson that, that were there. And let me think, I mean, like Norman's one of my favorite sprinters. Shikari, I think, is awesome. Mm. Richardson, like, she's mm-hmm. one of my favorite athletes. So, yeah, it's like, and there's great employees that work there. Their product is really cool. Uh, I love it when they make innovations. Like, I don't have a problem with the super spikes at all. Um, some of my favorite coaches in the sport, from a track standpoint, are Nike coaches. So, uh, Craig Mazbeck has taken over for Capriati. He was on a board of directors of a nonprofit I started. Uh, 12 years ago back in the day I think he's phenomenal so it's just 
just some bad seeds in there. They're really bad, but yeah, I don't, it's, I don't have any sort of like thing towards the brand. Okay. Well, you're making yeah. me feel yeah. better about wanting to get my kids some like cute little Nike sneakers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I don't know if I'd buy Nike sneakers cause I'm like, well, you really <laughs> can't, right? <laughs> yeah. I kind of can't, but yeah. Yeah, I don't have any sort of thing with the brand at all. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's really interesting to hear. And I, I just like, I don't want to like glaze over the fact that you got death threats and you were, they tried to jump you at a meet. Like that is a movie. That is insane. Yeah. It like, I mean, it was at the meet. And yeah. So in my mind, I was like, are we really going to do this at a track? Like, we're not going to get very far here. There's a little bit of the reality. So, but like also, the people that were there were like, that saw it happening. They were like, are you kidding? Like, what is this? Yeah. But then you start doing some homework on some of these individuals and they've, they, uh, you just Google Chris Westing. He's a physiotherapist in Eugene. Like what they did to him, they almost killed him. That's insane. They got their hands on him outside of the U S championships in 2006. And, and Llewellyn Stark still works at Nike. They almost killed him. Mm. So there is a level of seriousness with it that was in the back of my mind because I knew that that happened because I was working at Nike during that time. So, um, yeah, it was. it's just bizarre. It's like it is out of a movie. Like when I tell people who don't know me that or they Google something and they're like, can you t- tell me about this? And I'm like, what? And even me, I was like, I, it's crazy. This is crazy. Is this real life? Yeah. When I, I had HBO do a thing like a couple years ago and I was – having to like really walk through it and even they in the pauses they're like what what is this sport sometimes i'm like i don't know man I, it's still in the back of my mind when i'm at meets like, like who's clean I who's not who's clean who's not like even even this two weeks ago i don't walk from the i take my headphones out when i walk outside at night oh sure really yep oh wow um so if someone gets popped for cheating you assume that they really did cheat, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> for sure. Because it, it, it depends a little bit on who it is and who their brand is. I mean, Nike is extremely powerful. Yeah. So if you're going to catch a Nike athlete, knowing what I anybody can know and look up, like how hard it was to get Alberto, how much power they have, yeah, then they were, they were dirty. Okay. 100%. I hate that. <laughs> like, it's not even a question. It doesn't even matter if I was like really good friends with somebody and they... I was like, if if you're good and you get how protected you are and you still get popped, it's like, well, what else were you doing? Yeah. That's what I start thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it's such a bummer. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, it really is. So do you feel like that time in your life, like that happened, you kind of like, you reported it, you, you move on a little bit, but then of course in 2018, the hearings happen, all that happened. So you had to revisit it how did that affect your life at that point so uh in 2015 uh i started having panic attacks and and i never had any sort of anxiety in my whole life so it's usually it's unusual in your 30s to if you've not had any Mm -hmm. sort of um like nothing like you could put me in a box in an ocean i've been like i'm fine and so it was horrible like i it took me about a year to figure out what the heck was actually going on Mm -hmm. And then, so I started to try to uh, like holistically treat that once I figured out that it was panic attacks. And like I started doing meditation and yoga. That's actually why I started doing martial arts because it was like, 
the only thing that could get me like in in the moment where my brain was locked in on it and I felt better afterwards. Um, a lot of people think I did it to defend myself against, I shouldn't oh. laugh because I might have to use it one day, but like, I was like, no, actually I did it to like, because, um, you know, yoga and meditation didn't work. And I was like, wanted to cut my brain out of my head. Like, seriously, like I'd go like three or four days without eating or sleeping and I'm head coach of a team. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, my marriage at the time took a serious hit. Uh, we ended up divorcing in separated in, um, uh, 2018. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, so yeah, then I think in nine, 2019, I got diagnosed with severe panic disorder. So, um, it was at the point where it would not take much. My amygdala would like any sort of thing that would be uh, stress would light up. Like I'd be just driving on an interstate and it, most people, I hope I don't put this in their mind, but like. You know, if you think for a second, you're like, oh, I'm around these cars driving 80 miles an hour and I can't get out of my car. Mm-hmm. They could crash into me. Like, that's something that we just kind of like, my brain never noticed as a threat. So I'd be trembling, heart rate would be 180 while I was driving. Um, I, I kayak, couldn't do that anymore. Couldn't run hard workouts because my heart would come up and it would trigger it. It was, so for two years, I dealt with that. Um, so yeah, that, I got asked recently if I would do it all over again. I know I wouldn't. Really? I wouldn't. No. You wouldn't it, sound the alarm. No. No. Galen just won the Olympic trials like mm. a year ago. Like stupid. It's it affected your life so much that you wouldn't walk through that again. I mean, other people were going to whistleblow. Steve Magnus was. You know, other people spoke up. Maybe they would have. Yeah. I mean, they were. Steve was doing it congruent with me, so hope maybe he would have. But mm. him. And I don't want to speak for him, but him and I sure. talk a lot. And sure. like, I, he, yeah, he feels similar if you yeah. ask him. So, because it, it didn't, it didn't clean up the sport. Mm. It, it, Alberto can come back in three years if he wants to. So, but I think I don't know. I just want to like say from from a super fan's perspective, I think you did so much more than you. I mean, you know, you did a lot, but like, I think you brought to light something that maybe never would have been brought to light. I'm not saying you should have walked through what you did, but I just want you to acknowledge that so that you know that like how it was, it was big. What you did was really big. I hope so. Yeah. The mental side of it has been, uh, the, the, so if you're, what you're saying is what you feel that way. So that's good. But I mean, I'm just one person. It's hard to, yeah, it's hard to be, it's hard to believe that. You know, yeah. I know you're not lying, but it's. Um, I've tried to like come to grips with it. I, I think I'm a better coach. Mm. So I, I, because I have a, a greater understanding for the last, like you know, for people that are listening that have had a panic attack or some sort of disorder, they are like, oh yeah. I know what you're talking about for those that don't, I hope to God that you never do. Um, so, but because of that, and because I had to figure it out and because my job is one of these jobs where I can't, I can't take a step, a step away. I have to be there for the athletes. I had to figure it out. And so I have a, I have a, a for not somebody that doesn't have a background and I have a good understanding of, of the neurotransmitters in the brain. I've helped some friends 
Um, I think I understand and I appreciate a lot. I have a lot of empathy when athletes are getting out there competing and I, the, the brain aspect of it, as well as the physical, I understand deep, more deeply now. So, you know, hopefully athletes are running faster than they would have. I want to make it seem like all of it was worth it. I, I, cause I, I don't not convinced yet that at least from a sports standpoint, it did anything, but at least maybe the people that are in my circle. But I really hope, like, for me that some stage it's completely gone. I don't think it will because I just think I know too much. Yeah. It's like, I, I, one of my, I use an analogy once and it it sounds over the top, but it's not. But, like, it's like meeting the devil face to face. And so that's so terrifying that I don't think I could ever erase that. I wish I could, though. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, when I was preparing for this interview, I was like, I get the feeling that Danny Mackey is just brutally honest. And that's what I'm getting right now from you. <laughs> yeah. um, I have had panic attacks in the middle of the night, like postpartum, and where I would wake up and think, I'm dying right now. I need to go to the hospital. And, you know, my husband would kind of like try to get me back into like a right frame of mind. So like I, I very much have empathy for that. And I... Like, I can't explain what that felt like for me either. It's just, I know looking back, that was a panic attack. Like I, for no reason, I wake up out of breath thinking I'm dying, you know? So I can see why you would say, I wouldn't choose to go through that again if that's what that caused me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're horrible. It's awful. But I do think you're right. You are a better coach for that reason. I mean, you, how would you know if you hadn't walked through all those mental struggles and battles, what it would be like if an athlete's having a legit panic attack like post-race or mid-race or whatever, if you haven't physically walked through it or done the extensive research, how would you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and friends. You know, yeah. I don't, I'd like to think I've helped some of them. Um, especially for, I think, you know, if you're, it, I think in athletics it's not talked about because athletes are tough um you know men not as much uh you know it's like i i do i fight and i'm like oh yeah and then i got scared of a like a car ride <laughs> it's like yeah or a tunnel <laughs> so um or you know oh why didn't you eat for three days well because of holding my breath for a second i'm thinking of that and they're like really i was like that's how that's how deep your brain can go if it wants to like, don't mess with your brain like that. So yeah, I think so. I think that like, you know, I was just talking to a friend last week that is uh, going through a divorce and like, yeah, I mean, I hope I help her because mm. it sucks. Yeah. I mean, you went through it there. Oh man. I remember I was in Switzerland with my ex-wife and they have in bear, bear Switzerland, they have like a pit with bears and I was like, this is 2017. And I was like, really in it. And I was just staring at it. And she's like, what are you thinking? And I was like, you know, I would much rather get dropped in that pit than have my brain doing what it's doing right now. Mm. It's like, that would be a better option. Cause like, that's going one or two ways. And then I'm done with it either way. Yeah. So when your brain turns against you, it's, it's, uh, it's bad, 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 bad. Yeah. I, I, dealt with a lot of anxiety, like health-related anxiety in my life. And it has put a big strain on my marriage because my husband doesn't know how to deal with that. He's not a psychiatrist. He's not a doctor. And so I can see how that would really, really affect your relationship. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And hopefully he doesn't ever know how to deal with it. Yeah, he's not supposed to. <laughs> and, you know, that's one of the things I've had to learn to, like, give up and not rely on him for that because that's that's not that's not who I married. That's not what I, he's there for. So that, yeah, that's really hard. Hey, friends, a quick break here. Are you wearing a Koro's watch yet? Because if you're not, you really should. They are awesome. I've been wearing my Koro's since 2018. I can't believe it's been that long. I've had the same watch since 2018. It has caused me no problems, and it is so easy to use. So many pros like Molly Seidel, Sally McRae, Hayden Hawks, Camille Heron are wearing the Koro's watch. And when you go to Koros.com and use the code ANOTHER at checkout, you can have an extra band added to your purchase for free. So you purchase the watch, you go add the watch to your cart, go get your band, add that to the cart as well. And when you check out, you put in the code ANOTHER and your free band will be taken off the price. I recently, my husband just bought a new Koros watch and I was like, hey, use my code and get the extra band, please, but get the band for me instead of you. So I just got a light blue band that I'm loving. I always just had the black band, and the light blue band is super fun. So get a fun color if you get an extra band. Go to Koros.com and check it out. I wear the Apex, by the way. That's the one that I, that's the watch that I wear. It's the Apex. It's super simple to use. It's not the Pro. It's just the Koros Apex. All right, back to the show. Um, so can you share a little bit about when you got the call to be the coach for Brooks and where you were at the point when that happened? Yeah. So, uh, I was living, I moved back to Portland cause I was in, when I worked at Puma, I had to move to Boston. And so I was working at Keen and I was starting up their consumer insights group and I was there for three months. And so the head of sports marketing at the time, his name is Jesse Williams. So he, he is now the founder of sound running. So okay, th- that amazing meet that happened on Saturday, that's his company. Mm-hmm. So he, so I ran for the Hansons when I ran professionally. And so I knew him through that, knew him through the industry and I was coaching Katie. And so she was uh, one of the original uh, Brooks beasts. And I had two other pros, uh, Nike athletes at the time, but I was working full time. And so, yeah, so he tried to sign two really high level athletes and he couldn't get them to run for Brooks because they didn't have a pro team. Mm. So he, well, they didn't have a track like, a, like they have the Hansons, but then, and so he just, the CMO at the time was the guy that used to work at Nike. I can laugh about this now, but it, <laughs> uh, his name is Dave Larson. He signed Serena Williams and Andre Agassi. Like, so he got sports marketing. He'd been at Brooks for like 10, 12 years. So they just put a line item in, like it said athletes, and they asked for a fair amount of money. And it got approved because he'd been trying to start a team in Seattle and they were saying no. So we just did that for the <laughs> budget request. And so, so uh, yeah, he called me in the fall of, well, winter of 2012. And I joke because I was like, I was cheap, desperate. I had a lot of experience corporate wise. And I started a nonprofit. So, uh, you know, I had some tools to like get it off the ground. And so, yeah, he's like, do you want to be head coach of this new team? I was like, yeah. And um, my boss at Keen, 
Kurt Richardson. So if there's old school people that are listening to this, they'll know him. He's awesome. He was like one of one of the Nike people that was amazing. And he went to Keen. I remember I went into his office and I was like, Kurt, uh, I just, or Kirk, I was like, I just got this job offer. Well, what is it? I'm like a head coach of a pro team. He goes, when do you start? Aww. I was like, there's no way this guy's. Yeah. So, so yeah, so they were, they were really, really cool to say the least. And then my brother of all people replaced me at Keene. Oh, really? Which was like, yeah. So I got to train him for a couple months before I took the job at Brooks. Yeah, that was, it was, it's fun to think about it because I didn't, so the director of marketing didn't know who I was until a year later. And I'm not joking. Yeah. She's like, Hey, I always see you. What do you do here? And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, Oh, I coach your pro team. She's like, what? So, so that's where we started. That's so funny. <laughs> so, um, you know, you think to think from there until, uh, like where the team is now is, is cool. And I'm like really grateful that I got to kind of like be a part of the steps along the way. So, you know, I've, I'm curious if I'm fortunate enough to stay here and be healthy for a long time, like what this will look like when I hand it off to the next person. So yeah, Brent Brooks has been amazing to work with. Like, uh, I love the people at the company. They try, they make everybody, every company makes mistakes, but they try to fix them and their intentions are really good and pure and they're super supportive of, of, uh, what my vision for the team is. And it's, it's cool. It's cool. To, and they're growing too. So it's been, it's been this kind of like parallel path of growth with the team and the brand. I mean, you so can't, I enjoy it. you can't beat a motto of run happy. Yeah. It's fun. I mean, it's, it's I mean it perfect. Too. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. perfect. Um, yeah, that is, that, that story is so wild. And you know, I, what stands out to me is I just love that your boss was like, when do you start? Because I think it's one thing to like, want to fight for someone and keep them at your company. But when you know what their real dream is to say, go on, like, go do what you want to do. And I mm-hmm. think that that's just like a really admirable quality that that guy had. Yeah. He's amazing. You hope to want to do that too, right? Like I'd want to be yeah. that person too, to somebody. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For um, sure. so, so in those, in the nine years, well, before Brooks though, you know, one piece of, of your story that I love is that when you were getting rejected from these coaching jobs or maybe just not getting responses, you like took matters into your own hand. You've mentioned the nonprofit you started a couple times. Is it the Portland Running Company or Running Group? Uh, Run Portland. Yeah. Run Portland. You also were a part of like the Bowerman Group, which I think people probably most people listening might not know that, which now is like Bowerman Track Club, Jerry Schumacher. So I love that you took matters into your own hands and was like, well, if I'm not getting these coaching jobs, let me see where I can dip my feet in and do something about that now. Because oftentimes that's what we need to do. If like it's not happening for us on someone else's watch, make it happen on your watch. Exactly. That, that's, I don't know if you've like listened to me. T- that's exactly what I was thinking <laughs> when I did it. Ten, like, like, you know, not to swear, but I was like, all right, if you're not going to hire me, then I'll just do it myself. You can swear. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I was like, fuck them. <laughs> right. Not of these coaches. <laughs> so uh, I, that, I, I've only even gotten to interviews twice out of those 217s. Wow. 217. Yeah. One was uh, University, or sorry, um, yeah, University of San Francisco. And the other one was Bethel College in Minnesota. That's oh. it. 
So then, yeah, so it was 215 of not getting anything. And so, uh, yeah, and I'm glad I did it because this job is really hard. And so I have a lot of humility when I, I hope I still have it, um, when I don't want to do stuff. So I'm like, I could have just been doing that. And then when I get fortunate enough to work with somebody, like we just signed Isaiah Harris. Mm -hmm. And he's getting ready for Worlds, and he's really talented. He's like just a very awesome person to be around. And I'm like, I get to work with somebody like this for I don't know ten years, and so and I'm paid to do it. That's so cool. So, yeah, so I, I do think of those things for sure. How important to your story are those years when you created it for yourself? I think they are. I don't think the team is where it is now if those things didn't happen mm. because it, like everything's kind of a, there's a yin and yang to stuff, but like I, so when Josh medal, Josh Kerr medal this year and Marta got the semis, I was at a meet two weeks later and uh, another pro coach, Pete Julian actually okay. came up to me as Nike coach. And so I've known Pete for a long time and he was like, Hey man, congratulations. And I was like, on what? But in, <laughs> And so like that, that's, that's like a very snap, big snapshot of like how I think. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if I think that way, if I wasn't like trying to get a job that paid $20,000 at Bethel, where I had the coach, uh, the the head coach of the women's team and then run their sports and rec center. And I was heartbroken that I did not get to get Mm -hmm. that job, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, yeah. So I think like there's an element of, uh, things that I do where I don't, I mean, I was like, that was really cool of Pete to come out of his way and say, congrats. And he's always been like that. But I'm more of like, I'm not thinking of those external things. Like, I want the athletes to do well. I want them to respect me. And I want them to get better. And like, I just, I don't know if I think that way, if if I didn't have to like scrape as much. I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm not sure. I just love the message there. It's like, just for the listener, if you're not getting what you want right now, just know that whatever piece of the story is playing out now, it might not feel very fun, but it's probably going to be important for five years, 10 years down the road. I mean, it's it's life. It's how it is. Yeah. If you would have told me at 29, where I was probably 208 jobs in, that 10 years later, I'd be coaching one of the best athletes in the world. That's just like a gap that I can't even conceptualize. But when you're when you're in the shit and you're trying so hard to just get the door open, you're literally like training yourself to think right in front of you. Mm-hmm. And there was a point too before I got the job at Nike where I I was like couldn't afford rent and I was living in my car and living out of like sharing like couch surfing with a friend. I had a master's degree. And so that trains you to be like right in front of your face. So it's like all right, Josh, I'm going to get you in as best shape as possible. And people are interviewing where you talked about the metal. I'm like, I haven't talked about the metal with him once. I just know he needs to be in 327 shape on August 7th. <laughs> like, you know, so it's, and it's not hard for me to do that. That's actually easier. That's why what I used to say, probably to explain the thing with Pete more is like when he said that, mm. you would think the first invitational after the Olympics, given that's the biggest thing. Sure. That's what I'd be thinking about. Sure. But I'm thinking about like, I have four athletes racing tomorrow. Two of them don't, three of them don't look good because the end of season, I'm like, oh shit, this is not going to go well. <laughs> you know, so when Pete's like, hey man, congrats. I'm like, 
on what? Did you see something at, like, did somebody do something good at practice five minutes ago? Cause that's all I'm thinking about, you know? So it's like, yeah, I think it's a good thing because like when I talk to the athletes, I'm so like conditioned from, you know, whatever, how many years of that, of like being right in front of me, just trying to like make something work where I don't get that caught up in like the other, other parts of it, the pressures of it. Um, I was, cause like, cause of COVID I was sitting like 10 feet away really sick because of time change. So I was like working, I don't even know, 20 hours, whatever, like up at two in the morning and pre- coaching people here. I was sitting like this watching Josh race. And when he meddled, I just like clapped my hands. <laughs> and the first thought I th- the first thing I had was like, I oh, should, I should have told him to be more aggressive. I think he could have gotten so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so, but I mean, I was really happy for him and for the team. I was proud and stuff like that, but what what was yeah, he bronze by? Like, what was the? Do you know the point? The seconds or the point zero four? Okay, point zero four. Okay. Yeah, he was gaining on chariot. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. Uh huh. Yeah. How exciting is that, though? It's cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, I my friend finally last week, he is like, can you update your Twitter, Instagram bio and say you've coached the world Olympic yes. medalist? I was like, okay. You, so did so you recently cool do that? Because I do feel like I just did it. when <laughs> just did you did do it? it? Last week, like literally my jujitsu friend who now is a fan of the sport, uh-huh. which is really cool. And so he was like, your Twitter bios, can you, or Instagram, he's like, can you adjust it? He goes, you put some accomplishments on there. Okay. I was like, all right, all right. Yeah, it's cool. It's, it's cool. <laughs> um, now we're talking about Josh Kerr, who, man, like he's just on fire. Yeah. He's pretty, he's, yeah, he's doing so well. It's cool. I love you talking about, though, the team aspect. I mean, on Instagram, you posted about how, you know, it was a big deal that he broke all these records last weekend. But, like, what's also a big deal is the support of his team and that he couldn't have done it without his team. So talk about team culture a little bit at Brooks Beasts. One of the things that aspects of the group that I was – I'm glad I got – the keys to the bus when I got the job. Now I did, we didn't know what we were doing. Sure. So that was, that was crazy, but there's no infrastructure set up. So those things had to get going, but I really wanted to take the benefit. So I was really blessed in that my high school and college were tight knit teams. And it's like, if you don't know that that doesn't exist, you think that's normal. And then when I went to grad school and sort of coaching at a college, I was like, Oh, not that it was bad culture, but like they weren't tight. And then you start seeing other programs and you're like, oh, wait, I, this is like a little rare, but so, and then there's research that talks about, I, funny, it's getting, it's an old study now. It's like 15 years old, but it, it's with rats being isolated and rats in a cage together. And so they, they look at stress hormones and markers, blood markers in the rats. And the one, the rats, very short of this version of the study, but the rats that are together have all of them are lower, lower like catabolic hormones. So they're healthier. And the only difference that food exercise is all the same. It was that they're, they're together. And I always say like humans are more social than rats. Mm-hmm. So, so I wanted it. So we know that it works. We know that like, if you think of, um, Oh, what's her name? She wrote the joy of movement. It's a really good book. Uh, Karen McDougall, maybe. Okay. Karen McDougall, Kelly, Mc, Kelly McDougall. Okay. It, the, the book is a joy of movement. Wow. Really good book. I've never really good. heard of it. Okay. Yeah. And so, it's not just moving. She gets into the science, but it's the moving in groups. Mm-hmm. And so community and it's, 
yes, I wanted to take, I think it's a benefit. Now you have to work really hard for it and we have to spend a lot of time on it and people are people and it does not work the way you want sometimes. So that was a, a cornerstone to the group. That is like the thing. I mean, when we talk, you talk about Josh, we've turned away people that are as talented, maybe more talented than Josh because they weren't going to be a team fit. Mm. And so one of the reasons why we, why I pushed really hard for him was I saw how he interacted with his university of New Mexico teammates. I met his parents and I'm like, this guy is going to like, he's going to want to be in a group. He's going to make the team better. And so, yeah, we, we spent a lot of time on team dynamics and, uh, I think we reap the benefits of it. How do you so, court someone like him to convince him to go to your team? I'm a pretty bad recruiter. Really? Uh, I think, I think the honesty, <laughs> you're like, Danny, should, yeah, that does not help. When you're not the smoothest, like charismatic individual. Uh, but Josh, you know, I speak the same language. Brutally so, honest. Yeah. We shoot it straight. His dad and mom are straight shooters. And so, you know, I just laid out, I was like, Here's the percentage of people that get better here. It's the highest in the highest in any protein by far. We just haven't gotten like, you know, the aces. So we're not getting an NCAA champ and then going better. And mm-hmm. so I was like, if you come here and these things line up, you're going to get, and he has gotten over six seconds better here. Wow. In a couple of years, in the 15. So yeah, it was just like pointing the number, numbers out to him. And I was like, you know, Brooks is behind this. And the city of Seattle is amazing. And we're going to, we had a good, we had a small but mighty men's and women's group at the time when we signed them. And Josh and the guys connected well. And and the, the, well, now there's, at this time it was just one um, of the women, Ali Bohalski. So yeah, they were all just really instrumental. Like I use athletes a lot with recruiting. How many athletes are on the team right now in 2022? 13. 13. 13. What, how many male, how many female? I'm sorry, 12. Uh, it is, because we just signed Isaiah. Uh, I'm sorry, it was 11. Now it's 12. Okay, gotcha. We have four four women, eight guys. Okay. And it's changed. Like there was, for a while it was mostly women, a few guys. Okay. Then it was 50-50. And then Chris and Nelson just signed with a New York group. So we lost her and gained Isaiah. So we were seven and five, now we're eight and four. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, I why why interviewed Allie O when she was being coached by oh, you. Lost Allie O too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a brave thing that she just did. Mm-hmm. Proud of her. Yeah. Um, talk to me about like coaching from eight hundred all the way to what I mean to the marathon, or what's your furthest distance runner you have yeah. right now? Uh, right now, it's I mean, Allie. I would say ten k. Okay, I've had an elite marathon. I had a, a guy, a two ten guy, Ryan Vale. Okay, yeah, um, I remember his name. Yeah. I love it because it's different. I like the different nuances and specificity and variables with the different events. You know, the longer stuff is cool because it's like this really specific metabolic and psychological challenge. And then the 15 and 8, they have this chaos. It's like, (laughs) I don't like watching rounds, but it's the chaos is kind of fun. Like I, I like fighting and there's always a little bit of like something crazy might just happen here, you know? And that's how I feel like the eight and fifteens. So, um, I, I like that we have a good, like we're a little bit more centered on like the, the lower end of the middle distance, but I, I like a blend. 
think it's good for team dynamics too. Um, okay. So we're going to move towards some just like fun end of the podcast stuff now. I could ask you a million questions on exercise physiology and things like that, but we're already at an hour, 10 minutes. So we're going to move to some fun stuff. Um, what is the best concert you've ever been to? Oh, it's easy. Um, Radiance the Machine and Wu-Tang Clan. They weren't together, were they? They did. They toured together in 1999. And then I saw Rage 2001. And I saw them again in 2007. They're by far the best live. I, I don't like that kind of music. Okay, I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's too <laughs> it's too much for me. It's too loud and aggressive. Not yeah, Wu-Tang, uh, but Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was listening to Chris Stapleton. Oh, um before practice and then this morning when i was working i was listening to dua lipa so now okay. i'm like yeah so i'm but rage is like so good so so good live okay interesting so they're gonna go on tour again this year i highly recommend it even if you don't like that music because i don't like that type of music <laughs> what? <It's worth> it. <laughs> how did you land at the concert oh because they were with so, Tang? no uh i actually like just like them in that genre Okay, okay, you do like them. I'm going to have to I play like a couple songs to see if I can even stand it because... Oh, it's aggressive. <laughs> okay, because my husband's a huge Pearl Jam fan, and so I've been to several of those, and I can't even stand their loud songs, and their loud songs aren't even anything yeah. compared to Rage. I like Pearl Jam a lot, too. Yeah, they... You, um, Pearl Jam has enough soft songs and, like, in the middle of the road songs mm-hmm. that I can handle it. But, like, when they play, like, Spin the Black Circle and all these, like, ragey in my mind songs, I'm like, yeah. get me the heck out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you need our recommendations, I can, like, just let you know. I'll text you some ones that, like, intro you into the world. Okay. <laughs> the machine. <laughs> I gotta like, dip my toes in. I, I cannot believe I've never seen Chris Stapleton live. Have you? No. And I don't like country either. Yeah, but he's like, he's a different kind of country. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know, Sturgill Simpson, Chris Stapleton, it's kind of a different kind of, it's not corny country. Yeah, 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 that's right. (laughs) Chris Stapleton was here in Raleigh, but it was last summer and it was going to be like 105 degrees or something stupid. And I was just like, you know what? I like Chris Stapleton so much, but like, I don't want to be miserable outside. So <laughs> uh-huh. at this point in my life, I'm just choosing to be in the air conditioning. <laughs> uh, when you're not running. Okay. So we know you do jujitsu and grappling and all this like crazy fighting stuff, but is there anything else you like to do outside of running? You work a lot. Yeah. I play, play music, play guitar. Oh, you do. Mm-hmm. Have you always played guitar? Uh, no, I played a piano as a kid and then, didn't do anything for a while. And then in college, I, started, I taught myself how to play guitar. And so I've been doing that a little bit more lately. Do you yeah, recommend they, starting younger? I'm trying to, I think I'm going to get my seven-year-old signed up for guitar just for fun. Yes. Okay. Neuroplasticity is higher when you're younger. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm like, if, if one of my kids has an inkling of interest in, in instruments, like get him the lesson. Get him in. Yep. Yeah. And, I'll, and if he doesn't want to do it, I can give him a pep talk because I'm so pissed I did not stick with it. My mom made me do it. I'll hold you to so it. Mad. I'll FaceTime you. I did not. Because oh, I like the piano and it's actually easier to learn the guitar, but it's I'm so mad I didn't stick with it. I did piano machine. lessons. I wasn't very good, but I did them for like three or four years as a kid and I could still pick up a note or two now. But I, it's like I was never going to be one of those people that was just like 
gifted at the piano, you know, but mm. I think as an adult, I like that if I, you know, spent a couple of days trying to read music again, I could kind of pick up a few things. Yeah. They'll come back, come back a little bit. Um, yeah. okay. What do you, this is kind of a deep question. What do you want to be remembered for as a coach from your athletes? I'd like them to think of me as caring and thorough and that I evolved and I didn't take myself that seriously. It would be like, if somebody, if like Brandon Kidder or Mia Aiken said that about me, I'd be like, I'd blush probably. Oh, so. <laughs> I yeah. love it. Um, if you could have coffee, tea, or cocktail with someone fun, motivating, or inspiring, who would it be? Well, nobody that you listen to your podcast probably likes the sport. I would like to have coffee. Well, I'd like to have a beer with Conor McGregor. Okay. I think it'd be for two reasons. One is I really want to, I'm curious of how he actually is because I've, you have this persona, Sure. but I know people that know him really well and they really like him. And I also think he's crazy enough where like we would have one beer and then I'd be out to like four or five in the morning. So I think it'd be like a good, like, <laughs> so yeah, I'd be interested to that. I just think it'd be an interesting couple hours. You need a two day recovery from that one. Yeah. Well, my, at 41. Like, week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, did you watch Cobra Kai? <laughs> I did. Did you I like it? it. <laughs> yes. I just watched it. Oh, really? You're it's, behind. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It was so corny when I first said it. I, don't, I like saw the credit. So I was like, this is terrible. And then I got like super into it. <laughs> so, but yes. don't you think it got worse though? Because like I loved it. And then it got, my husband was like, you're watching adult Power Rangers, just so you know. I feel not like, wrong. I feel like it got more corny as it went on. <laughs> it did, but I loved it though. I can't wait for the next season. <laughs> That's so good. I actually dropped it and I I need a show to get back to. So maybe I'll go back. I'll have to rewatch like a few episodes to catch myself back up, but I'm watching Peaky Blinders. I started Monday. Is it good? Yeah. Okay. Really good. I have been really good about going to bed early, like after I get my kids down at like literally eight thirty, nine o'clock. And so my TV watching has just suffered. <laughs> yeah. But I miss it. I know. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm proud of myself. Like, and I have like, it's been a full month. I think that I've been doing this, but I do miss that. Just like, mindless release mm-hmm. you know there's something as 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 non-productive it is, as it is and this is why it probably there's just something really comforting about it uh, yeah i agree like i i started playing uh video games during a pandemic mm. and and i don't do it that much because of time but it is awesome and yeah. i put that tv right in the same bucket like but you need like a you need like an accountability partner so mm-hmm. maybe your husband because the problem is like you watch three like okay we're gonna like shake each other's hands on this we get one episode yeah that's it yeah problem is is we don't like the same tv but we were Uh, watching yellowstone together that i feel like that's like a pretty have you watched that oh no but i know you you guys might both like peaky blinders on yeah i could see that yeah i could see that for sure um yellowstone it is on hbo so i don't know people don't want to subscribe to that but it is it's probably one of the best shows in like mm, today's HBO. time. Okay. Yeah, you, okay. it's so good. It takes like two episodes to get into it, but it's very good. The characters are very good. Um, okay. okay, best. We're almost done. Best most recent book you've read? Uh, the Practice of Groundedness by Brad Stolberg. Oh yeah, I've read that book. Yeah, it was really good. Talk to Brad mm. about the the book post once it came out. 
Yeah, um, really good. Love Brad. He's great. Okay, two more questions. What's something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you have not done yet? I think it's just because I was talking, I'll just say, I was just talking to Josh about it and Isaiah. Be cool to coach a, a, global, a global champion because it's, it's different when somebody makes it podiums at USA's or UK champs or they win. So I'm curious about how it is if they like win a global title. It's a po- real possibility this summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's and exciting. It'd be kind of home. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, that'd be cool. See how it is. Love it. Uh, what's your last message to leave with the audience? Well, we were, t- we were hitting on a little bit in this podcast too. I think gratitude is a very important reminder and like active mental process that we should really take time if we can each day to, to think about um, it is a, such a, it's such a important and not, it's not, it's talked about, but it's not really like, I think when you know, I don't want to say meditate on it, but just like really like for me, I, I started doing it like a, recently just writing it down three things. That'd be, I would just tell somebody to try, try one a day and see, see how your, your brain is like after a week of that and how you are with people around you. What's on the top of your gratitude list? For me right now, it's being healthy, physically healthy. Mm. Um, I think because the last couple weeks have been hard with work and I think I've managed it pretty well. And I think one of the reasons why is because I've been able to like have this in the background. I'm like, all right, I'm going to compete. I'm going to compete. And there's so many variables that are not in our control that go into being healthy. Like I think, think of the stuff going on in Ukraine and I think of COVID. Those are just things that are in our face right now. And so I'm really glad that I can, and I almost got hurt like pretty bad, like six weeks ago. So yeah, it's like, that's top of my list lately. Last question. Sorry, I've kept you so long. Is that weird going into like your own physical competition this weekend when your life revolves around coaching other people for physical competitions? Yeah, it is. And that's partially why I am doing it. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. It's very weird. Yeah, I imagine so. I don't want to ever become too detached from it. Mm. So competing, putting yourself out there. Because this morning, I was legitimately, I haven't had this feeling, I haven't competed in four years. Um, I was like, what if this dude like fucks me up in front of a lot of people? Like, I know who he is. Like, I know his name. He could. And, And that's, we're doing something where that's a possibility. And I'm like, well, I need to get surgery. And I'm like, well, what if everybody comes and watches? What if it's on Instagram? Like, my brain was, th- and I had to like, wait a minute, you tell your the athletes not to, you know? So I had to like, I'm battling with it. Will you share about it. it on Instagram? Uh, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay, do yeah. it. I want to know how it goes. Okay. <laughs> All right, Danny. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, this was fun. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for having me. All right, friends, thanks for being here today. Thank you, Danny, for coming on the podcast. Y'all, we recorded this episode so long ago, so I'm so glad to finally get it out. Uh, find Danny on social media. He is Danny T. Mackey on social media, on Instagram. You can also follow the Brooks Beasts on Instagram, Brooks Beasts TC. You can find me personally. I'm Lindsay Hine 626 as well as that's on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm at Lindsay Heim. Make sure to check out my podcast for parents. It's called Why Is Everyone Yelling? Because truly, why is everyone yelling? 
And you can learn more about all the shows in the Sandy Boy Network when you go to sandyboyproductions.com. We've got one more episode in the Boston Marathon series coming out on Monday with Scott Fobble. Really excited about that. He had a great race in Boston. Thank you, Prevenex, Koros, and Shoot Photography for supporting this episode of the podcast. You all can learn more about all of those companies in the show notes at sandyboyproductions.com. And you can sign up for our newsletter over there as well. So if you just go to the I'll Have Another tab, you can just get signed up for our newsletter and the show notes will get delivered to your inbox every single week. So you can just click on books we talked about, sponsors that were mentioned, get discount codes, all that good stuff. So definitely go visit us at sandyboyproductions.com. Friends, I'm grateful for you. Thank you so much for being here and we will see you on Monday and Friday next week. Have a great rest of your day.